you've you've got to realize that if you spent all this time, you could spend, three, as Harminder's just said, three or four or five years creating it. So many businesses have failed having spent three or four or five years creating something. And then after a year, it doesn't work. As he quoted the statistics earlier on, they frigging go and do another business. They try something different or they revert back to what they were doing in the past. And so they spent more time in the creation than the actual mastering the skill of selling or finding someone who they can educate on the product to go sell it. That's another fear people have is paying other people to sell their products. Hello, this is Dr. Rowe and you are listening to The Cicado Show with Dr. Rowe and Harms. Cicado means to seek turning points. And on this show where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today, the mission is to provide you with what you need in order to create a turning point in your life now. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to create these shows is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine, sincere hope that by the end of each of these episodes, you will have gained at least one insight which you can take away and apply directly into your life. Practical tools, voices that come from both generations, younger generation with tips and tools, older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience. So you can help unlock your true potential to give you the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level to give you a chance to impact both your life and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. We welcome you to The Cicado Show. Before we jump into the show, let me just tell you a little bit about becoming a Cicado supporter now. If you love what we do on the show, have gained transformational insights and positive outcomes or any small shifts which have allowed you to create turning points in your life, then please head to cicado.com and become a supporter of the show now. By supporting the show, we can continue to expand by getting you better quality production, spending more time deep diving important topics and creating more exclusive supporter perks as well as getting great guests on. And by the way, as a thank you for becoming a supporter, and depending on which supporter tier you select at cicado.com, these perks range from my weekly recipe for success emails through to audios and video courses from my 23 Steps to Success, which includes online modules on how to find your life balance, gaining confidence, improving your time management, making successful career transitions, understanding financial independence, creating a life purpose, understanding and how to manage your money, becoming a money master, understanding negotiation techniques, learning to communicate more effectively and so much more. So don't delay. It takes less than two minutes and you can become a Cicado supporter, helping to expand the show and get special perks as a thank you. Become a supporter now at cicado.com. Let's get back to the show. Hello, it's Harms here and welcome to another episode of the Cicado Show. Now, if you're listening to this, I suggest re-listening to it when you finish because I have a feeling, bearing in mind the experience at hand here with myself and wrote on the topic of what we're going to talk about, there will be a lot of takeaways. So before we get to that, let me start with painting a picture about the latest statistics around business success. And that is around 80% of UK companies 
fail within their first year. And according to the latest figures from the Office of National Statistics, it gets a lot worse in year three and then a lot worse in year five. But I want to focus on just the first year here, which is the 80% of UK companies fail within their first year, which is crazy, a crazy high number. And interestingly, when I was looking at these statistics, the language used to describe the companies within this statistical category are, and I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on this, Ro, because it's a very interesting one, is they're described as a business birth, business death, and business survival. And it's just a strange terminology considering how much passion and enthusiasm business owners put into these uh, projects of theirs. And I would say, I think it shows just how incredibly courageous new business owners actually are. Now, when you deep dive this survey, a few reasons the survey discovered are the cause of these failures include no business plan, cash flow problems, misunderstanding of the business concepts themselves. The business owners don't value the data coming into their business and they don't understand the marketplace and they don't have a disaster plan. Now, bearing in mind in the world where we are, I don't even want to address that topic of that kind of disaster plan, but it could just be as simple as a, you know, no customers for a month, no cash flow for a month, that kind of disaster plan. But this being said, I personally don't think this gets to the root cause. This is a surface level survey because there will be a few root causes and one area in particular, knowing the experience Rose certainly has in this area, is to help listeners today on the topic of sale. And why I think this is a root cause is because most business owners, employees, audience members, Cicado listeners we meet, consult with and coach and advise, etc. This very topic keeps coming up again and again and again and again. And when we often ask them about sales, you know, how are sales going? What's a sales system you have in place? Their response and often phrases we get back are in the tune of, I can't sell. I don't know how to sell. I am uncomfortable selling my product and service. I don't want to be that sleazy salesperson, you know, stereotypical sleazy salesperson. And if I sell to people, they just won't like me and they won't like the fact that I'm selling to them. So that's the introduction. And hopefully by now you realize that we are talking about the topic of sales. So Hiro, after that long introduction, does this ring true in your experience? And maybe just talk about what your experience is in this field. and. How do you think we should tap, tackle this subject? Because it's big, it's complex, but we have a short period of time with the listeners. Mm, fantastic. First of all, hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Always extremely grateful for that. This is a huge subject, and it's one that I think is going to warrant maybe different segmented podcasts, to be honest with you, Harminder. I just want to pick up, I made a quick note there. You talked about different stages of business. I think you mentioned business births, business deaths, and business survival rates, that's scary when you hear that being used and languished, which is being a lot at the moment. We've experienced an incredible upheaval, upheaval as a result of COVID. But actually, COVID is just one of those big looming giants that sits in the background of statistics that have always been there. I mean, I've quoted that 80% figure globally now for probably 10, 15, 20 years or more when I've been out in public. And doesn't matter which country I go to, I just get this kind of quiet nod from people. And there's this acceptance that, yeah, a lot of businesses do fail. But the problem with that harms, and I think you'll agree with this, is imagine going into a business understanding that there is a very high probability that you're going to fail. If that unconsciousness goes deep enough, 
and you start going out to try and sell yourself and sell your product, sell your service, and there's any slight doubt in what you're offering, that's going to show up with your clients. So it, it is a big subject. And if you're listening to this, I think if it's all right with Hugh Harms, I think it'd be great if we could broaden this to just selling in general. So it could be on a personal level. And if you're happy, if you want me to, I can maybe expand on this a bit in a moment, but selling you, selling yourself to other people such that anybody listening to this might be single and <laughs> thinking, you know, I haven't been doing too well on my dates recently. I'm not sure what it is. Probably because you can't <laughs> sell yourself. <laughs> and jokes aside, that's all we're really doing when we're going out on a date. We're selling ourselves. So yeah, I, I agree. It, it's a big subject. And I think it would be great to tackle this if, if our listeners are happy to deal with it as a, a real hands, you know, gloves off, hands on, deep dive. Let's not mess around. I started selling genuinely selling a product or a service late teens, early twenties. I actually got involved with a network marketing business and I genuinely didn't know how to do it. I'd run a school tuck shop when I was at school selling sweets and things like that. And I was asked to go and promote things at school when events were going on because I seemed to have this sort of natural gift and ability to talk to people in a certain way. So I was often the person that was leading things that were going on at school, school campaigns. I remember at the age of 17, we had business uh, class that we used to run and we set up doing etched glasses and everyone had different roles. Some people were doing the design, some people were doing the etching, some people were organizing the overall business, but I seem to have a natural ability to come promote these glasses to people. So if you take it back to then at 55 years of age, that's got to be like 30 something years of experience doing this. <laughs> It's a long time. That is fascinating. Right. So taking that experience and plugging that into this next question, which is from your context then and from your experience, what do you see sales as? What is sales? And put that in the context of business and in the context of non-business as you've described, because I, I, I love the idea of broadening it because yes, we are yeah, all selling ourselves. Yeah, that's a great ourselves. question. I think as well, just to help the listeners understand what I, I mean, from the point of view of those early days, helping sell etched glasses and Twixes and whatever they were called back then, you know, marathons. <laughs> I've gone on and I've been privileged to be involved in selling a whole range of different products and services in, in uh, essentially in the area of education, if I'm honest, because that's my greatest passion. And that's equated to, I can't even put a figure on it, but millions and millions and millions of pounds worth of sales. And when you get to that point, I remember the first time I realized, oh my gosh, I've sold over a million pounds worth of products and services. And this is going back a few decades now. And then it starts to add up. You don't, I don't make a big thing about it. It's not something I go around and I know we see people online promoting this and saying, I've done this, I've done that. But for anyone listening, if you haven't seen me in that context, you may have seen me helping you go through a transformation in your life, working with you from an interventional perspective, coaching you. That's my greatest passion. But in that passion has become a big part of me has become this ability to enthusiastically and passionately show people how to make changes. And with those changes, they often have to buy products, services, etc. So I've been doing it a long time. But also whilst we're here, I want people to realize that Harminder's also been in this field with me for some time as well. And in his own right, has a great skill, both in a verbal way to promote and to sell things, but also from a written perspective as well. So if you've read any of the great newsletters and things that come out from our side and from my side, often Harms is instrumental in that, in, in getting the words crafted in a certain way to help you to open up an email, which often is selling you on the idea of, I want to read this email. So I'm going to bring you in a lot into this, Harms, and ask you for your input, because you've done a lot of this with me as well over the years. Yeah, absolutely. And fascinatingly enough, thanks for sharing that is when I was around 
18, 19 years old, I entered the world of network marketing as well. And one of the most incredible skills you will learn from a network marketing sort of business and operation is the art of selling, the science of selling, the ability to have to sell because that's almost fundamental within that business model. And then uh, I sort of left that that world for a while and then re-entered sales, you know, in, in my mid-20s. So uh, probably five to seven years. Uh, but again, like yourself, actually started young, not as young as in school. Uh, it just wasn't in my consciousness then. But from that perspective, it's it's fascinating. So then taking both of our experiences, because I know I first said, let's take yours, but let's, let's pull both said, of our yeah. experiences You're asking in. definitions. Right? Definitions, okay, so, like what is what Yeah, let me try sales? and simplify it because I don't want to go too complicated on this. Okay, so this is a, a personal view. I think in business, it's simply you as the person communicating with someone else in such a way that you're giving them enough information to decide whether to acquire your product, your service. It's as simple as that. You know, I'm, I'm sharing something from my side that I believe about what I do or what I'm offering you to a point where you say, actually, you know what? I want this product or service. It's as simple as that. I don't want to complicate it. Now, people do complicate it and it's got lots of spins on it, but that's all we're doing. We're just, we're literally sharing something with somebody, enough information for them to make a decision. Now, how that decision is made will be influenced by the sales process, the sales technique, et cetera, but that's essentially what you're doing. Now, on a personal level, I think it's a little bit softer than that. It's really about you communicating with somebody in such a way, which is the opening sentence to the other one, but the difference here is in such a way that you let your true self out. You allow them to experience your beliefs, who you are, your values. You're selling you. You're, you're going on a date and you're letting that person know, this is who I am. Unfortunately, people go on dates and they're nervous, but actually because they're almost afraid of how to be themselves, how to sell themselves without actually saying it. That's what they're actually doing. So you're letting that person get a sense of who you are, what you stand for. This could be a potential partner, a life partner. It could be just a straight date you're going on. It could be that you are trying to sell yourself back to somebody, and this sounds weird, where trust has been broken. And that's probably a big conversation to pick up actually as well. Maybe we can come back to that in just a minute. But it could be a friendship where trust is broken down and you got to go back and sell yourself to them. Or it might be that you're just trying to persuade your kids to do something that you believe in and you want to encourage them to do the same thing. And of course, you're selling yourself to them as well. So like eat yeah. their vegetables, you know, even as <laughs> simple as that, because this true. is fascinating what you're saying. It's true. And, and it's, it's, it's actually profound and deeply important, but you know, for children, it's actually a lot simpler, but we need to sell them on that idea. Otherwise they're going to do the opposite. Exactly. Um, but I believe it's, you know, more than anything else, it's people's belief about sales and selling. It's, it's the beliefs that they carry that are the biggest challenge. So th this is definitely a subject we need to bring out today more than anything else. The core issue here, the fundamental bigger issue, rather than focusing on sales techniques, et cetera, yes. at this stage, it's we're saying that it's somebody's belief around this definition of sales and selling themselves. Exactly. So maybe ch chuck some in. I mean, okay, so if I said to you, what do you see out there, Harms, when you're out there? And, and, and it's important for people to understand this, that we're talking about sales, but we're not salespeople in the sense of we don't. You know, we're not engaged as salespeople in a business as such, but we are all salespeople because we're selling everything, everything from an idea, a concept, a movie we saw. We'll come back to this a bit later on. So I want us to talk into the space of when we're in that process of 
the business side of what we do harms, whether it's out meeting with clients face-to-face, whether we're doing something online, whether it's at one of our seminars. So my question to you is, what do you pick up from people? What do you pick up from their resistance to selling? Fascinating. Well, I, well, I think it does tie back into what you said, which is the beliefs around selling and sales. It's almost like when the person is with us or when somebody is being sold to, and I've, and I've observed this you know, as a third party as well, watching two people interact, even in the simplest place, such as a shop. And the, the belief is so damaging from both sides sometimes, which is I get a feeling of, and I hear sometimes phrases where people are thinking selling is just distaste, distasteful period. You know, They just don't like the taste of being sold to or selling. A lot of people think sales is just a forceful mechanism, and that's another negative belief. I see people maybe have a picture in their mind around salespeople. They just automatically picture somebody in a car showroom trying to sell you in a second secondhand showroom trying to sell you a uh, you know a car and giving you ten percent off or something like that on a trading floor. You know, famous films like Wolf of Wall Street. And they just feel like that's so aggressive. So that turns them off the whole concept of selling themselves and being sold to. I see people who are extremely uncomfortable when they're selling their product. They may have spent years and years and years developing this product. And then when they go to sell it, they're just uncomfortable, which is also a strange concept and a a challenge with their belief system. People think that selling is just not the right way to do it. They think that if I create something, people should just come and buy it. If my product is good enough, you know, that old cliche, if I build it, they will come. If my product is good enough, it will sell itself, which is so far from the truth. Unbelievable. That was the case. Everybody who creates something would be a millionaire and it's just not the case. So I think these are common things that are floated about in either internal feelings or vocalized externally that I've seen. And I think I've seen it in both generations, my, my generation and your generation. I think sales is such a it, it hasn't really changed when it comes from skipping generations apart from the online world. I think that's the, f- the feeling that my generation and your generation has around. It's the true. I, I, I know we've got listeners from all around the world at the moment. So different cultures, different societies perceive it in a different way. They react to it in a different way. So for example, I think in the USA, there is more of an acceptance to it. That's not to say people still don't like necessarily being sold to, but the style is different. In the UK, there's more of a conservativeness. So I, you know, I remember American speakers coming over when I was teaching over here and they came in and were involved with some of the stuff that we were doing early on. And their style was, for the UK audience, seemed quite aggressive and abrasive. And that, again, creates a resistance. Some countries just do not accept it. They don't like the style. Whereas other countries, if you go to somewhere like India, everyone's trying to sell you something. <laughs> everyone's selling. Every every single person at every corner, every street market and, and store is selling you sense, something. Yeah. It, it isn't seen in the same way. So uh, you know, I, I remember being in Egypt and I was walking through one of these uh, amazing marketplaces and I'm standing there looking at something with my fiance and these people are trying to sell me something. And there's another guy openly came up and said, no, 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 you don't want to go to him. You want to come to me. My stuff's a lot better. And then as I'm walking to him, there's another person <laughs> from just across comes and grabs me before I even get to the second stall. And they are doing it in a way that it's just, hey, I've got something to sell here. And because it was the norm, no one feels phased by it except the tourists who go in and they're either fascinated mm. or phased by it. <laughs> Two things going on. It is an, an amazing subject. And I think the more we step back from it and look at it in a different way 
and accept that everybody reacts differently, then it, it changes the way we are as a salesperson. And we are always going to be selling. And I'm going to keep saying that all the way through this podcast. I mean, a classic example, I was doing an event probably about three or four years ago. It was a property-related event, and it was with the Rich Dad organization. And this guy came up on the Friday afternoon and said, oh, I can see what you're doing. I said, what am I doing? He said, I can see what you're doing. You're basically going to be selling us on some of these education programs. You've already been talking about it today. I can tell. I'm in sales. I said, okay, what kind of sales are you in? He goes, well, I run a shop, but I can just tell what you're doing. And I said, great. So you obviously can tell that part of what you've got to do after this weekend is this is three days of property training. Do you, How long have you been running your shop? He goes, I've been running it for 15 years. And could you have run your shop smoothly after three days. He said, no, no, it took me years just to follow in my father's footsteps before I opened up. I said, exactly. So you got your training hands-on, but it took you a long time. All I'm saying is you want to do this quickly, go and educate yourself properly, do it with the right people and you accelerate the process. And he kind of looked at me and he went, hmm. okay. And he walked off and he accepted it because I was just being honest with him. Now, if I'd been resistance to that, felt that it was distasteful what I was doing and felt uncomfortable with his nature, that would have affected me and all the other hundred odd people that were in the room. I wouldn't have been able to explain the education and teach them at the same time. And I'd have been focused on him. It was actually his block, not my block. Does that make any sense, Harms? That makes sense. And the irony there is, you know, within his shop, he would be selling. He <laughs> exactly. says, I'm a salesperson. So I, I'm always fascinated when a salesperson gets offended by or gets upset when somebody else is selling to them. <laughs> uh, although, I, you know, I'm not a salesperson in the context of I don't, you know, phone people or sell in that scenario for a company, etc. But as a salesperson within my own business and promoting myself and selling stuff on a daily basis, selling my wife on ideas, I am over the moon when somebody sells me something. And it's probably strange for somebody, some of the listeners to listen to, but... I enter this environment to be sold to, but to me, that means something different. So what I want to ask you, Ro, is how can we help the listeners? And from your experience, you, what you've done there with that person is reframe sales. So with people working in this field, what do you recommend are better ways for them to retell this story to them, reframe the story to them, just as I did many, yeah, many years ago? That's a great question. Um, Whilst we're there, though, I want to just pick up on something you said there. So you, if you listen to what Harm said, he said, I'm not in a sales business in the same way maybe I'm on the phone, picking up the phone and calling people. And again, this is down to perception as well. So even what you just said there, and, and this is... This is a great conversation to have between somebody who's 30 years, 20, 30, 30 years older. When I grew up, that's exactly what the main concept of sales was. It was somebody in a big building, literally with a script, with a whole bunch of phone numbers, and that's what they did. They just cold call, cold call, cold call. So that's what, when you made that reference, you're almost referring to the concept of somebody who's employed just to sell straight to customers. That, that's right. Correct. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I'll talk about that later in the context of what I want yeah, I agree, because to I want to anyone listening to this in that field not to think, oh, so they're saying that's not a good thing. No, what I'm saying is that is somebody who's in actually in a role of pure sales. When I go up and I am educating people from a property perspective, or even if I'm doing one of my own events, so for example, we might do a communication event. So here I am on an event, which was essentially created to deliver content, which was then going to be part of a book. So I had no intention of offering anything beyond the weekend. We didn't intend to offer any other trainings, although we could have done, for example, speaker training, we could have gone and uh, program 
with yourself, for example, on selling your business online, selling your products online with me showing how to create them, how to digitalize them, and then you talking how to take them online. We could have done all those things. And what was really interesting is people were coming up and saying, so what are you going to be offering us? And I was like, there's nothing on offer. Oh, come on, doctor. You could, there must be something you're going to offer us. So the truth is that when people are in the right space and they're learning something passionately and they can see its value, they can also say to themselves, I want more. And in that space, it's okay to be promoting. The difference would have been if I tried to sell them something that weekend, which I didn't do any promotion at all, but if I tried to sell something which wasn't right for them. And I think that's where people get uncomfortable harms. And I think you've probably felt this when you've gone to seminars and you've seen certain events where it feels like the speaker's selling something for the sake of it. Well, the person in the shop is trying to sell you the jumper on the on the rack over there, but I didn't come looking for a jumper. I said, I came looking for a T-shirt. Oh yeah, but this jumper would look really good on you. It's, I think that type of sales that's created a wedge between the customer and the potential salesperson. I don't know if this is making sense, but I'm trying to cross it over into what we do in our field. Even here on Cicado, we encourage people to go and support us. They don't have to support us, but if they do support us, it helps us continue to do the great work that we're doing. But we're not like ramming it down their throats. It's not like we're saying, go support us, but it's not going to serve you at all, but go support us anyway. Actually, we do know that by them supporting us, it allows us to do other great things and bring other guests in, et cetera. So it's a really subtle process and it's a lot deeper than I think most people realize. That's a, such a valid point. And there's something there which I want to elaborate on a bit later. And that is the way that marketing relates to sales, because that's one of my specialities as well. So let, let me touch upon that later, but that's a fantastic point. So th that's already given us the context to reframe it. And you've gone really deep there with the subtleties of that experience. Now, if we bring it back to the surface for a moment, how can people typically reframe this in their mind? when it comes to whether selling or being sold to, and I don't really like the phrase of being sold to. I mean, this is the part of the process which we're going to reframe now. If I was to say, how would I reframe that? It's educating somebody on the product that I have to purchase. If I'm going to a trekking shop, I want to look at the latest trekking boots. I want somebody to talk me through the products, <laughs> talk me through the shoes, which is it's got waterproof, which is not, which has got Gore-Tex or whatever, whatever. And then I can say, yes, now I'm making an educated decision. But, um, but so, that's, so I know you well enough. Exactly. So if we walked in there, one of us would say to the guy, okay, sell us on this product. I don't mind saying that because it's actually, in a way, it takes away the mask and it allows them to go, right, I can, let me tell you about this product. Because they want to, but they also might have a perception that you might not like to be sold to. How we walk into a shop, for example, our body language gives it an instant clue to a an educated salesperson on whether I want to be sold to or not. Some people will leave you alone. They carefully position themselves because they know it's not right to talk to this person. Others will go diving in because you already look enthusiastic. If you and I walked into that climbing shop enthusiastically, we want to be sold to. <laughs> and and in the in that, you are going to get yeah, the exactly. best out of the quote-unquote salesperson. And interestingly enough, me and my wife do this when we go to the local bakery, sell us on which is the best cake we should buy today? You know, it's it's that enthusiasm. I think that reframe is important for our listeners. So are, are there, there any are, additional points Yeah, and I think even, even but, but I, I want to be really, I'm, but listen, we, we've got, we, the whole point of Cicado is that we're constantly challenging everything that's said, even ourselves, we, you know, we'll, we'll be conscious of that. So mm. when, when we use terms like quote unquote, which is what Harms is doing there, that's the norm for people because they, 
they almost don't know how to use that word. They don't want to say that word. I mean, I think for the sake of the rest of this podcast, let's just use the word being sold to in sales and people need to get comfortable with it because in, in the context of the question you're asking me in business, it's basically, if you want to give it another frame, it's getting your message across exactly what you just said there, actually promoting mm-hmm. yourself, helping people decide going into a shop. Yeah, I'm a salesperson, but what I'm actually doing is helping that person decide, do you want the jumper or the t-shirt? Do you want the, the Gore-Tex jacket or the non-Gore-Tex jacket? It's aligning what you have. I'm just giving you some things. These are all, by the way, everything I'm saying here is a belief. If you write this down, these are every single one of these is a belief that I have about what I do when I'm selling an idea, a concept, a product, or a service to somebody. So it's helping that person decide. It's aligning what you have with what other people want. That's a, that's a fantastic one. You're selling yourself. You're, you're literally saying, hey, this is me. This is what I've got to offer. You're showing your value. That's another great way to see sales. You're showing what your great value is. You can only do that by talking about what you do, what you offer. You're showing your product's value and service. So that goes back to whether it's a communications product, a property product, an online building a business online product has great value. Let's talk about it. It's giving a clear message about what you or what your product does and also what it doesn't do as well. So you're straight about it. You know, if they say, well, does it do this? Actually, this product doesn't do this. What it does do is this. If you're looking for that... then we don't have that product or you want our other product over here. So it's being really clear about that. And it's promoting what's great about you and your products. I think that's what it is from a business concept. On a personal level, for those listening, yeah, yeah, sure. And so before you move on to that, Ro, so so, so, we, so we mentioned product yes, there a few want- times and, and product and service, you know, we'll just refer to this hand in hand. If somebody's listening to this and you have the belief that your product is amazing, you've spent time building it, you've invested time, money, sweat, exactly. late nights, early mornings into your product. Now we have to transfer that belief into the sales process, which is what we're talking about and going to be supporting you with in today's episode and show. So exactly what you feel and think about your product is the way that we want to yeah. portray that internally. And that will come out because what's happening Ro, is somebody's got this amazing product. They could have spent 10 years, they could have spent a decade developing it, five years developing it. Think about the, the Dragon's Den scenario. Somebody spends two years remortgages their house, built this incredible product and they get to Dragon's Den. And often it's not that the product is bad. They just don't know how to sell it. They <laughs> exactly. are—they don't believe in the sales yeah. part of that process. Whereas some people who are incredibly, they transfer the belief and move that into the sales process. They walk away with the money and that's the result that you want. You want to it, let people have this amazing product because it solves their problem. And you can't no, do this that. This is a great point sell. actually Harms is raising here because if you've ever read any of the E-Myth, Michael Gerber book. So he has a whole range of books, but the, the fundamental book is all about this concept that the entrepreneur myth and somebody can be a technician, i.e. not as a technician, I'm sitting there, maybe we're doing some sort of mechanical process where I'm very, very skilled in that subject. Technician meaning that you are actually the person that's creating, doing in the business, you're creator that product or service, but then you've got the person that's managing that process. Then there's the entrepreneur that's going out and coming up with ideas and you've got the salesperson. And unfortunately, when you're self-employed, you kind of got to be all of those things, but we tend to gravitate to what we're great at. So if you're a creative style person, you're going to be stuck in that space of wanting to create and do all these amazing things. And I use the word stuck because that's what you love to be. But then when you move yourself out to try and sell that, you feel like I'm really uncomfortable. I like being in this place where I create things. I hate selling things, which is what you're saying. And that's where the whole thing breaks down. 
And I think, mm. you know, what Rut Harms has just raised here is, is an important point as well, which is you've, you've got to realize that if you spent all this time, you could spend, three, as Harmin has just said, three or four or five years creating it, so many businesses failed having spent three or four or five years creating something. And then after a year, it doesn't work. As he quoted the statistics earlier on, they frigging go and do another business. They try something different or they revert back to what they were doing in the past. And so they spent more time in the creation than the actual mastering the skill of selling or finding someone who they can educate on the product to go sell it. That's another fear people have is paying other people to sell their products, which is another subject. Yes. <laughs> and it's just as essential. So well, I, okay. I jumped in there. So you were going to say, yeah, yeah. Personal. So, so, so we the spoke values. about business. Yeah. So, so they're the beliefs around um, reframing it for business on a personal level. Remember we're talking about selling you. So few things here. This is more of a personal development reframe on your beliefs, but I'm a good person. You know, you sell it, remind yourself, I'm a great person. I'm a good person. I've got a good heart, whichever word you want to use. I'm worthy. I'm loving. I'm honest. And these are words I'm sure you know are true about yourself. However, for some reason, you may not be selling that to somebody else. I can talk about myself in a sincere way. That should be a absolute statement of belief that you hold dear to yourself. So when you're sitting down, let's say you're on a date and it's a first date and you've got this unconscious belief that you are not good at selling yourself. Well, why don't you reframe that to say, you know, I can talk about myself in a sincere way because I know I'm a worthy person. I can connect with people and I have great value and I have something valuable to bring to this relationship. That's the approach you have to go in with. That's the beliefs that you need to have in order for you to be yourself because that's all you need to be in order to sell yourself. That's interesting, Ro. And what what I want to say here is when it comes to the personal side, if you're unsure that your personal beliefs are linked to your inability to sell, then think of a scenario where, and I've seen this because I've been on the other side of the table where I've interviewed people and been on the other side of the table where I've uh, been the interviewee as such. And one of the things I noticed is when the question gets asked, tell me, you know, what are your strengths? What are these classic interview questions? What are you good at? Often the person who has a fundamental belief issue with selling can't do exactly what Ro said. They can't put across that they're a good person, person, they're worthy, they have a good intention, they're honest, they're loving, they, they're hardworking. Often they struggle to answer that question. So if you are, have ever been in a scenario where you're preparing or in the scenario have struggled to answer that question, then you have this challenge. And I would sit up and listen to this episode because one of the things we that, want to do is help resolve this challenge. What, he, what Harman has just picked on there could be the subject of a whole podcast. That, that's really brilliant because mm. we haven't even talked about this in the opener, which is on a personal front, yes, we talked about relationships, but what about job interviews? What about pitching yourself for a job interview? And hopefully we can get that into the maybe the headlines of this podcast because I think you've raised a very good point. Now, often people don't want to say how great they are, do they? I mean, here I am in a sitting in a an interview and then you go, tell me about yourself. And I, yeah, I'm, fine. I'm awesome, man. Yeah, I could do this. I could do that. And that's the challenge because people now think themselves as being egotistical. So a way you could phrase that for anyone listening is to say, it's a good question. And I, I think if you asked my mother or you asked my friend, or if you asked my best friend, which is a great third party reference, one of the qualities that I know they would say about me is boom, boom, boom. And if you do it that way, it's quite a clever way of articulating something without it being so self-professing and you're doing it from the eyes of somebody else. Mm. So if you're uncomfortable with it, a softer way to do it is, is to go through a third voice, if you like. 
Yeah, I like that tactic. That's a that's one to write down because the reason I raise that row is think about where the world is right now. When we look at some amazing people doing amazing things outside of the business world, and I'm thinking, you know, scientists, uh, people in the medical profession, and often researchers mm. within these fields have to raise money. So I've been watching some fascinating documentaries recently, and they need to go and raise money. But there's some highly intelligent people who f- who just are unable to raise the money for their research to continue working towards these fantastic causes which help humankind and mankind, etc. But they can't sell. What one thing I have observed is they just they can't sell their idea. They know it's great, but when it comes to pitching for the money so that they can change the world, essentially they can't sell. So on a personal level, it's so fundamentally and, you know, the important. Chal- the um, challenge is harm. So is these things are critical. They can't sharing. sell because they think the value of what they're doing is in what they're doing, as opposed to in selling what they're doing. So I've created this incredible thing, all this research, mm. and surely that's enough. I mean, you said it just a few minutes ago. Surely that's enough. Surely people should just buy it. But if that was the case, why is it that the top car manufacturers, for example, are constantly advertising themselves? Why is it you've got soda pop companies, I'm not going to give names out, but are spending millions and millions of pounds on advertising almost on a monthly basis to let people know they're there because we are distracted as a human race. There's so many other choices. So if I've created this incredible piece of research, there are people out there that may want my research, but they're also looking at maybe 20 or 30 other people's research as well. And I don't know you're there. So you're going to have to sing. You're going to have to, and and so it comes down to valuing the process of selling what you've spent these years putting time into. It's not just about the creation of something, but it's now about explaining to people why this is so amazing. You spent all these years doing it, creating it, researching the product to sell whatever you're going to sell. But now you've got to let people know why you think it's so amazing. And so for a lot of people, they don't see that as a valuable process. It is as valuable if not more than the creation of it. Because if you can't sell it, the creation becomes a redundant process. Sorry to be brutal, but that's the truth. Yeah, well, I absolutely agree. And and big businesses understand this. So they do it. They hire entire sales forces. They, they hire entire departments, which are focused on selling the product. But as an individual, we don't think that applies to us when it applies to us doubly as important because we don't have these big budgets. So we have to go, we have to really respect this process and understand that if if I don't take this part seriously, this could be the lifeblood of my business. And without it, I don't have a business. I don't have a pitch. I don't have the research. I've funding. had I that experience charity, in 2006, 2007, spent a whole year, maybe 50, 80, hundred grand creating a product. And we were so focused on the product itself where we floored ourselves was on the sale of that product. And so I was the, I felt exactly into the e-myth process of being the person doing the creating, but we hadn't engaged or worked with anyone to really go out and promote it. And I think, yeah, and when I say promote, I think you made a good distinction earlier on. I mean, for those of you listening, think of it like this, you're a, you, you create a product, you then market that product, which is what Harms talked about, and then tucked behind that marketing is you've now got to close people on the product. Now they're aware of it. Marketing's made them aware of it. Now you've got to have the right process to sell it. Those last two elements are what caused the business to fail. And actually, I, I fell into one of those statistics of a business that failed within two, two and a half years of having spent all that time creating it. So hence, there's a bit of pain associated to this subject. And that pain's coming across to to the listener to say, take this seriously. And well, you mentioned uh, the word marketing there. So can I just 
take a moment just to share from my perspective, yes. another way that the listeners can reframe this, but understand it from a business point of view. So in my field, for example, and this is my personal point of view, but it's shared by some of the, the biggest experts on the planet when it comes to this subject. And my speciality is coming from a marketing angle and an online business background. And my philosophy is this, is although there's nothing wrong with the cold contact of people, that is a function. There's personally, I think, a better way to do it, which helps you reframe and understand where does sales sit in the function of a business. And when you cold call somebody, I think this is where people have a distaste potentially, is you are selling to them without permission. And that's a fundamental flaw in a business model. It still works and it's still relevant for certain products, but it may not be relevant for yours. So if you if you listen to this section, it may help you understand where you sit in this business cycle. So instead, and this is the assumption at the moment, if you have got your marketing right, and the assumption is you have got your marketing right, that is what's needed to then help you sell. Because what that means is the people now in front of you, the people in your database, your customer database, your email list, people who have walked into the front of your shop, they have aligned with your marketing, meaning you did a fantastic job in letting them know, and this is the fundamental thing to underline, is you can solve their problem. And what this means in the simplest form is they're saying to you, yes, I'm interested in what you have to offer. I'm excited about what you have to offer. And I want to hear more. You know, so if you walk into my shop, you say, Harms, I, I love your marketing. I walk into your shop. I'm interested in what you have to hear, whether you're in a market stall in Egypt, whether you walk into a trekking shop and you want to be sold on shoes, the marketing work, it got me into the door. Now, at this point, bearing in mind, you've done all the great work and it comes to marketing and telling people that you can solve their problem. It's at this point, it's now it's your duty. And, and Ro, this is a word, you know, you, you've taught me to part. It's your duty to educate the customer on what your offer is and what your product is and what your service is, because you have the genuinely, you have the solution to the problem. And we know that it's okay to sell to them because they gave you permission. And that's, that's the key. If you want to think of this and explore this as a concept, it's known as permission marketing. That is very different to selling someone who has not asked to be sold to. So ensure that within your business, you differentiate the two. One is selling to somebody who has not been asked to sell to versus somebody who's shown up at your front door and they're saying, please tell me more about your product. Big distinction, especially in the online space. This is a fundamental principle. So, well, I guess the message is, you know, people need to just be 100% okay. Remove these belief blocks and talk to people who are saying, I want to be talked to. Uh, and interestingly, there's an old cliche. And, you know, I've had this said to me on occasion, which is, you, you know, a salesperson to salesperson. And they said to me, that was a great experience. And you've really helped solve my problem with this product. And the phrase that they use is, you know, you could sell ice to an Eskimo. Now, that cliche paints the wrong picture, in my opinion, because based on what I've just said here, you don't want to sell ice to an Eskimo. You want to sell them a fresh, warm tomato soup. <laughs> That's fish, what the Eskimo fish. wants or whatever they like to eat. I don't know. I don't know what they like to eat, but the fish, you know, they want a, a roasted fish. That's what you want to sell. And the Eskimo would have said to you, that's what I'm here to purchase. Tell me which fish you got on offer, which, you know, will make my tummy full today versus this whole cliche, which I think is the cliche, which doesn't reinforce the fact that selling is 
totally fine and we have to do it, which is, you know, you can sell ice to an Eskimo. I think that's the wrong approach. And this, I also, think what we're is, saying is earlier on, it's about I'm, sell, I'm, sh- I'm basically selling, sharing, uh, imparting what I believe about my products and service to someone who is looking for that product and service. And if they're not looking for it, maybe they didn't realize they were looking for it. So I'm at least making them aware of it. Maybe the Eskimo wasn't looking for a roasted fish. Maybe he wanted a fish soup in this example. So I've got a fish soup and he was looking for, okay, that's great. So let's take the example of the Eskimo who's looking for, you said roasted fish, didn't you? So I'm looking to sell him a roasted fish, but he wants fish soup in this example. So he comes looking and says, have you got any fish soup? And I say, no, I haven't got any fish soup. What I've got is this. Now, at that point there, I explain what the fish is, how it was roasted, how it tastes, have a sample of it. And that's me just sharing what I've got in an enthusiastic way. He does want fish, but he just happened to be looking for a fish soup. Now, ice is totally different. I mean, he's got loads of ice, but he wants something to eat. So I'm saying, I know you want something to eat. I don't have the soup. Check out the roasted fish here. This is how it looks. What it tastes like. There's the features, benefits, etc. And he goes, you know what? That's amazing. I'm going to try that. And off he goes. So it, it's 100% about giving people what they are looking for, or at least if they're not looking for that exact product, it's in the field of what they're looking for. But where it gets frustrating, I think, for a lot of people is walking away having been, quote unquote, convinced or sold something they absolutely didn't want from the start. And then years later, go, your husband or wife saying, why did you buy that? You know, we never needed that from the start. I know, but it was a good salesman. That's often the conversation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where you know, the, the bad vibes come from when actually, if you do it in the approach that we've just described and Rose explained, the Eskimo is going to thank you because they've just experienced something new and ro- roasted fish becomes their new favorite. And that becomes a part of the thing that they purchase often. And that's the job of the, the product owner, the service owner. And it's, it's essential. So, well, we spoke, we've actually intertwined a few things here in this, in this section where we spoke about the idea of reframing this in somebody's mind but also we've tagged on why it's critical to reframe this in your mind but I'm just wondering if you could fly through maybe a list of things that uh, just pull some out things out that we've maybe already discussed on why this is critical why this is important because yeah. we've yeah I mean just a bullet this, point what we've discussed but somebody may not it, but up on yeah, it. why is it important to to understand and know how to sell Number one, you've got, I mean, you said it already, you've got something great to share with the world. You've spent time doing it, building it, creating it, or researching it. It might be that you have a business where you find great products out there and then you share them with the world. That there are people that have been doing that very well over recent years as well, even a few celebrities. They're trying to bring the best to the world. Maybe that you've created something of immense value that you know is useful and powerful and helpful. Get it out there. Don't be afraid to sell it. People are looking. I mean, we've got what is it, 7 billion people on this planet. And if you start to look at the people that are in the Western world where they are looking for specific types of products and you're in that field of doing that, then you can create something or you have created something for them, then go show it to them. But equally in you know other countries that are less developed or they have other needs, I mean, some of the stuff that's been done more recently around some of the countries where they're struggling to find pure, good quality water. There's some amazing products being created, even being sold through and provided to charities, for example. So let's let's face it, selling stretches even into the world of non-for-profit. You want to get people to give money to a charity that's going to support other people's lives. Mm -hmm. So there's a much bigger cause in this. And I think that's the thing to get across here is you have something meaningful. 
And that's really why you're promoting it. So you match the product with the person and with the price they're looking for. That's another important element as well. The truth is you're, you're always, always selling something. Always, period. What, what do you mean by that? And you've added some new nuggets there for listeners in terms of why this yeah. is important. But you finished with the phrase there, you are always selling yeah, I mean, something. Well, let's, Just expand on that for the listeners because yeah, you know, I mean, we spoke about a lot of business well a lot, one, but what does that mean outside of that? If I came as like, it's happened between you and I so often, but it's with friends, people you know, how often have you seen a film and you come away from that film and you're just absolutely pumped? Just recently, I think you dropped me a message to say, look, Dave Chappelle's just done a cracking interview on Netflix with Dave Letterman and I hadn't realized he was on there. Now that was you selling me on going to watch that particular interview. That's a classic example. It was done with enthusiasm. Now, what do we know about that dynamic? Yeah. We know that you know that I know who Dave Chappelle is. You also know that I think he's an amazing human being, brings huge value to the world and has got a great message and he does things in a very different way. And you also know that I like to learn from these experiences and take value from it. So from your perspective, you shared something with me which you knew was of value to me. It wasn't some crappy, shitty interview that, oh, watch this. There was a couple of bits that were quite good. I'll tell Ro about that. It was done with absolute passion. And I immediately jumped on, I think it was the next night, and watched it. The two of us watched it together, actually, myself and my other half. And it was great. So it could be that. It could be a podcast. Hey, go watch this Cardo show. I listened to this amazing interview the other day, and I think you really like it. That's you being enthusiastic and talking to a friend. Restaurants. How often have we gone to a restaurant that a friend has recommended to us? That's selling. You're selling someone on the idea of going and eating at this restaurant. Books that either I've read or you've read, we exchange those. Friends around us, when we do podcasts, go read this book. We are selling our listeners on a book that we believe is value to our listeners. We wouldn't recommend it if they read the book and go, this was a crap book. Why did Harms and Road explain that to us? Why did they tell us to read that book? We sold somebody on the idea of reading this amazing book. So in reality, just get comfortable with the concept of selling and then modify that enthusiasm. If you're really good at doing this, if you if you can enthusiastic recommend a friend to read a book, watch a film, go to a restaurant, whatever it is, then just take that enthusiasm, put it into a more structured approach and then use that approach because you've obviously done it with other people on a more personal level. Use that approach to then promote your product or service. That's a really good starting point. What do I when I persuade people to go see a film and I do it well, what am I doing there? Let me take that and transfer that across into business. I think that's a simple way to articulate it. That's great. And if you listen to <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, there's true. like these action points uh, this is free scattered style. all over this show so far. Uh, but that's a, a really fantastic one. One thing I want to add here, Ro, around the topic of you know why it's important is something which I've only taken seriously quite recently, of course, with the birth of our uh, little baby boy. And that is, if I have a block with selling... And this is not to do with e-myth, et cetera. If I have a belief block with selling, one of the challenges I'm going to face as a parent, we're going to take it away from business for a moment. One of the challenges I face as a parent is everybody else, the government, the schools, the media in the form of advertising, TV shows, movies, et cetera, will be selling ideas, concepts, themes, culture to my child. And if I have a block with that and, and, and the inability to sell, then I won't be able to get across the values or the characteristics that I think will help shape him to be an amazing human being in the world because the salespeople in terms of government, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, will be more skillful and more influential than I will be as a parent. 
Now, this only came to my awareness, of course, after the birth of the little one. And that is, I was almost grateful for having this skill row because if I didn't have it, I've, all, I've just essentially outsourced the selling of ideas and concepts and characteristics to everybody else. And I don't therefore have the ability to have a positive influence on, you know, my child in my house. Does that make sense? I've sort of, sort of explained it, um, but that's something I'm still processing in my mind. And I'm, and just me saying, I am grateful for this ability to sell confidently with passion and excitement. And thank goodness. I now totally I agree. see another I think reason why it's, it's important. Deeper- the trouble is it's the label that sales has been given isn't it it's the perception it goes back to what we started at the beginning so the minute you broaden that mm. and you realize that it's a skill that enables you to do so many more things on a personal level to support the world to support your family to, to help your children and i want my kids to be able to sell an idea to other people i want them to be able to sell themselves i think when i obviously I was in the job world for a long time and we've interviewed people over the years that have come in and out of the businesses and I'm looking for people that can openly promote themselves not in an egotistical way but in a way that's authentic and maybe that's a conversation we should pick up through the course of this this podcast actually critical uh you mentioned something there which is which is opposite of what I've just explained which is some people think you know Mm. it, it has a bad rep there's still connotations or somebody thinks sales has a bad rep. So I think let's explore that for a moment. And, you know, even though we know it's important, we've sort of explained to the listeners that this is so fundamentally critical. We've explained sort of why there's blocks, what kind of phrases that get said. But even though people know this, they won't be able to shift this sort of bad rep that they got in their mind. For example, when I I was growing up, it's hot and I appreciate it's hard to remove certain images from your mind. So for example, I've just, you know, got the image of, you know, a car salesperson because that that seemed to be all that was plastered over TV. You know, the old Del boy uh, trying to sell you something, a bad watch or something like that. And I appreciate that that's sort of been implanted in so many people's mind. But now we have moved forward. There's so much amazing product, so much amazing service, so much ways to validate these products and services and the people behind the scenes. Why is there still... About I think the reason, the more than anything else, is mistrust. I mean, there can't be a better word. It's just simple. If I sit and I spent an hour online now looking at social media posts and things like that, the news, it's, there's so much information coming at us and people don't know what to believe. The common conversation, and I'm sure you're hearing it as well, in this country, United Kingdom, when we're recording this podcast, number 41, is what the hell is going on with the British government at the moment? You know, we've been told there's another lockdown. Information is being, t- we, you know, don't do this, do this. Only so many people can do that. The, the tests show this. You've got to wear this. And I think people have just completely lost faith. Now you add that on top of everything else that's going on, which at the moment, of course, is a lot more people selling online, a lot more people promoting online. We've had a massive surge in online businesses. You you talked about podcasts going through the roof. I think, Harmin, during the last six months since COVID really kicked in. Uh, I think what's happening is people don't quite genuinely know now what to believe in. In other words, they're questioning what is being said and what is being said is what is being sold. And what I mean by that is the minute somebody is online saying, oh, yeah, this is, you should do it this way. We should buy this product. You should buy this service or you need to do this. They're basically selling somebody on an idea. And this, there's just too much of it. I think people are becoming overwhelmed and they don't know what to believe in. Now you add to that 
as we've talked about, the bad experiences of a hard sales experience, people possibly being sold a product that it wasn't delivered, you know, they didn't deliver what they're expecting, pushy salespeople feeling bullied. As you've mentioned, there's some pretty hard people on the online doing this at the moment. Cold sales, cold calls. My mum, you know, has been having to block more and more phone calls because there's now a technique, especially in the last couple of years, particularly older people are being targeted. And it's just a straight conversation. I have one the other day. This woman, I mean, I picked up the phone and she said, oh, hi, it's Amelia here. How are you doing? As though she's known me for years. And I said, Amelia who? And she said, yeah, it's Amelia here. How are you doing? I said, Amelia who? <laughs> she said, yeah, it's Amelia here. I'm from, and then she said the name of a company really quickly. And I said, what's the name of the company? And she said, it's Amelia here. I just wanted to check in to see how you're doing. And I'm phoning from this company. And I said, is this a sales call? She goes, I'm just really wanting to catch up with you. I said, is this a sales call? And she said, yeah, I'm Finally, she said, yes. She said, yeah, I'm just phoning to talk to you about your mobile services. And I said, um, thanks for calling, but I've actually got a great service. But And then I just was very respectful. I said, I really appreciate your phone call. I'm sure you're busy and you've got lots of other people to speak to. Thanks very much. The conversation was done in like 20 seconds because she was phoning as though she knew me. And this is the problem. Mm. Without So bingo, exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's the Without lack permission. of permission. So that was what now, I Now you think previously. about what Harms was talking about, how much information we get from the government without permission. And this is not to be controversial or be conspiratorial. We're just talking about a philosophy here. I mean, I was in the supermarket the day and I overheard a lady saying, I feel like I'm living in a dictatorship. We're being told now we have to lock down. We're being told this. I didn't give permission for somebody to do that. And that I think is the biggest challenge. We're being bombarded with information, as you said, being sold stuff without permission. Add to that the the approach the style, the lack of authenticity. Then we've got the politicians that are saying one thing. I watched a video the other day, which was sent to me by yourself, actually. And it was a <laughs> certain politician <laughs> yeah, in the US. I was like, I think who, I know what video is talking um, is about. very involved in a presidential campaign and wanting to retain that post. And certain things were said. And I remember, because I haven't followed some of it. And I said to you, is this true? And you said, well, I'm not convinced it's true. <laughs> but you know, if somebody is saying something on a video, which is so convincing that people believe it, and then later on, people find it's not true, it just leaves constant mistrust. So in answer to what was a simple question, mistrust more than anything else harms, I think. Mm, I think that's, that's the fundamental thing. And I think uh, just re-emphasizing what I started with, which was this old image of, uh, which is hard to sh shed, which is that whole stereotypical image of uh, somebody sitting somewhere, just like you described, cold calling, uh, or somebody knocking on your door and saying, hey, would, do, would you be interested in buying this product or this service, whatever it is, a washing machine or whatever. And I think fundamentally, it's not to be confused with you know seeking permission first. If you're any, If you're a good business person, if you're uh, a good person when it comes to the the concept of understanding somebody else's values and beliefs. You know, I wouldn't recommend Ro something I know he's not going to be interested in. That's that's a, a you know a breaking off that sort of the bond that we have when it comes to understanding he'll be interested in that. Let me sell that idea, movie, book to Ro. Same as I have a, another group of friends who they would never be interested in some of the books that myself and Ro read, but I can sell them on another concept or they're selling me on a concept um, on what to watch. So I think fundamentally, you know, gain permission. Once you gain permission, then somebody has said to you, 
tell me about your product. And if I if I just counter explain, no, I, what I do I'll explain why this bad rep bro I think has transitioned to my generation, which is so frustrating. And that is, there's a lot of sales training which exists. Yes, where it's Agreed. very alpha, very aggressive, yep. very technique and tactic based, and that's done by design, and that just reinforces a stereotype of somebody who's out there and their their mission is to sell you anything. So people believe that oh, this person's got is such a good salesperson they could sell me anything when actually no, they're just so passionate and they believe in their product. But it gets confused when sales trainers say that, you know, you are you need to be the lion in the yeah. jungle or you're going to get eaten. This is kind of phrases that get thrown out. And I think it's a fundamental misalignment here with most people, because most people by nature, most business owners, most product creators, most service providers, most people selling a movie idea to somebody else, go watch this movie, by nature are not aggressive. They're just excited, enthusiastic, passionate about their product. But what these trainings do is say, switch all of that authenticity of and maybe we could discuss this word in more detail what we did in the last podcast switch that authenticity off and just style mentality and i think that's ah that's another phrase yeah yeah that's that's another phrase whereas i know having come through communicating with impact i know other people have as well and for context for the listeners that's a live training Mm. and an online program where ro teaches you the fundamentals of communicating so you can get across a message with impact, power, uh, effectiveness over to somebody. Now, you fundamentally teach sales in a completely different way. And it's one of the components within the 38 components that you speak about. And sales is one of those elements. It doesn't form the whole thing, but everything that you teach helps complement sales. So maybe we could talk about that a bit later, if that's that's possible. When you are selling something, you are having to communicate that something in the right way. So communication interesting enough, sits underneath it all. In fact, it sits underneath everything. It's everything we do. You can't run a business if you can't communicate effectively. You can't be in a great relationship if you can't communicate effectively. And yet people don't put enough value on it until it breaks down. And a friend of mine just recently said to me that he was doing, he's a trader. So he teaches people how to trade the stock market, but he was doing a whole session with men and women on money and money management and relationships with money. And he said the single thing that kept coming back up again was the fact that the communication between couples had broken down to a point where that's where the tension was being created. It wasn't about the money, but it was the way they communicated around money. He said to me, what you're doing with communicating with impact is gold dust because, but people don't associate the pain with the communication. They associate it with the money, but it's the poor communication that's causing the problem. Yeah, just like when I said that opening statistics, yeah. people think, oh, it's a cash flow challenge. Oh, it's a, you know, they didn't have a business plan. Well, actually, no, it's a cash flow challenge because a person can't sell their product or service. Exactly. You know, uh, in part of that business plan, they didn't yeah, consider how important the, the sales mechanism is within their business. Yeah, great about products, amazing. But, you know, the sales part, uh, as we know, and it's where the greatest the years, is harms. fundamental. It's, it's just so critical. So, okay, so, so I love that. So talking about fear. Why? So this is something I wanted to get get out of my mind as well in terms of a mm. question is, yeah, yeah. why are people afraid? Now we, we're painting this big picture. What is sales, importance, criticalness? Mm. Okay, uh, so I'll jump in with some things. But I mean, again, just talking to, to the space, this. I think it goes back to what we talked about on other podcasts as well, which is this basic human need that we all have. Gosh, doesn't it all come back to personal development, eh? Uh, it comes back to this basic need that we all have, which is we all <laughs> have a core 
desire and need to be loved, to be connected with other human beings. And this is a you know human psychology, Maslow, et cetera. That's it, period. And now if you said, well, how's that possible? How does that link to sales? Well, being loved equals being liked. Being loved for many people means not being rejected. You have to sort of look at it from two angles, what it means being, but also what it means not being. And people don't want to be rejected. It also means having a connection with other people. It means associating good things with you. So when people think about you, they love you for who you are, your style, who you are as a person, how you show up, they feel a strong connection with you. Now you put selling into the mix and what selling can create is rejection. Now, if I'm selling something to somebody and I feel rejected or I get objections from them, that is the opposite to what I want to feel because I don't want to feel rejected. I want to feel connected to you because I have a core need to feel loved. So rejection creates a wedge and moves me further away from that basic core human need to, to be loved. Annoyance. Some people don't want to be sold to at that moment in time. That annoyance is directed towards me as a person. Suddenly that's a sense of rejection, a disconnection. Oh my gosh, I'm not being loved. A, a distancing. Uh, they, they want to move away from me. They don't want to be in my vicinity. You know, in a shop, they start to walk away as I walk towards them. If they're looking at some clothes on a hanger, I'm thinking, let me go and sell them something. And they walk away. Oh my gosh, they've walked away from me. I feel rejected. I feel disconnected. All those words are the opposite to the basic human need for being loved. So that's the challenge we've got, Harms, is that people don't realize that it does really press a really raw button unless we reframe it. And if another person doesn't want something you're selling to them, then they will basically react with all the signals that a human being reads as being, hey, I equate that to being rejected. I equate that to not being loved, which is not the case, by the way, that they're not rejecting the person. They're possibly rejecting the approach or that moment in time, they're not ready to be sold to. So it's a, it's a tough one, but, and I know it's maybe not the question or the answer that people want to hear, but the truth is it's down to you why you have a basic fear of selling. It's not to do with the product or the service that you have. That's my personal view. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, there's a fundamental truth around the concept of selling. And as you said that, isn't it interesting that those two parallels, you know, the, the concept of being love, loved, liked, not being rejected versus rejection, annoyance, disconnect is just yeah. as applicable to sales as it is just to general life. The fact that not everybody does like us, you know, people do reject us when you go on a date and, you know, they don't, they, they, they don't call you for a second date, you've been rejected. Having people not everybody connects with us hence why there's so many the, the world is so, so diverse when you went on your, and so, amazing so when you went sense. on your first date with so, g or i think when you were so approaching I, 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 <laughs> if you don't mind sharing it was there any sense of oh my gosh mm. what if she rejects me did you have any of these fears because essentially you're still trying to sell yourself so how, how were you at that point i felt i hope she doesn't reject and me was this in a social uh, environment every sort of glance or anything she said a social vibe. I think we was at in a so pizza shop. Our first date was in a pizza shop in West London, and I I felt everything you said, which is the opposite of being loved. In you know, I felt all of those things at that time through nerves, etc. And and just the concept of you know, I hope I don't annoy her. I hope she doesn't reject me. I hope that thing I said you know wasn't opposite belief of what she said. All those sort of things play out. So it's no different to if I was selling my product or service versus selling myself. It's just so intertwined with life that it is. 
it's it's almost the same thing, Ro. In, you know, I, I'm I'm looking at those two contrasts, and it's exactly the same thing. And the fact, no. the fundamental fact is, uh, not everybody's I mean, going to like that, you, not everybody's yeah, going to love to be, you. To bring anyway, a bit of balance, because not, not how it picking on harms it, not in a negative way, but just to say, how was it when you first met? I when I met Stina, my fiance was on a beach in Jamaica, and there was actually a guy trying to, trying to make a move on a local Jamaican guy. So I jumped in to the water because it was I was actually out on a pontoon and I swam underwater to try and bring myself up out of the water to see if I can catch a point where I was able to talk to her if this guy had left but I didn't know that and I'm literally under the water <laughs> and I've got no goggles on and I can see him walk away and she's still there so I thought okay I've got to go for it now at that point there I didn't really have a lot of time to think about rejection if I'm really honest because I'm underwater I've got to breathe man and it's like yeah. Actually, breathing is right, right now more important than getting rejected. And I'd position myself. And again, sales is about a little bit about this, it's about putting yourself in a position where you, you have the opportunity to share yourself or your product or service. So I swam I, and I literally came up within about a meter of where she was. And she turned around, looked a little bit startled. And I'm in, man. I've got no choice then. You know, sometimes you just have to dive in and do it. And even at that point there... <laughs> Yes, I was in an interesting period in my life. I'm not going to go into lots of detail, but I was going through a lot of changes at that time. And I decided in an instant as we started the conversation that I was just going to be myself. And I mean, literally, I don't want to, she probably wouldn't appreciate me telling too many personal things, but I didn't hold back in what I told her about who I was, where I was at this point in my life. There's a difference in our ages as well. So, you know, she was in a different period in her life. And I figured if I'm just absolute, and we sat for three hours on that beach and I talked about some of the challenges I've been through, separation, et cetera, and all these things. Because I thought if I'm straight with this person that I really liked and Im immediately felt a strong connection with, if that if she doesn't feel that connection with that level of authenticity, then frankly, she's probably not the right person for me and I'm not the right person for her. Now, I don't know if this isn't making any sense. And I wasn't even intending to talk about this on the podcast, by the way. But actually, it's a very honest reflection of how that relationship grew because it was just me being completely authentic. No. And for anyone who's single, it's genuinely refreshing to sit there this wasn't a dinner date. This was sitting on a beach, by the way. But And just you just say what you feel because that way you don't have to pretend. You're just selling yourself, but without selling, you're just being yourself. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. Am I going off a tangent? Maybe I'm not. Let me pull it back because it, to me it connects right. so strongly, which is the word authenticity because most people, and whether it's selling a product, whether you're, you're selling somebody on uh, hanging out on the beach with you or, or a date, uh, or for me, it's like, we did a pizza shop as a first date. Please yeah. come join me on a second date. You know, if it's all of those transitions, 99% of people mask themselves with these tools, sales techniques, techniques, scripts, things to say, things they think they should say because they've been taught a certain way. I don't know. But what we're saying is strip all of that back because the ultimate salesperson is you when you are authentic. And I think that's yeah, the message that I'm taking away from what you've just described. I, mean, I think what's coming from Harminder and I at this point, doesn't matter if you're 22, 23, 25, 30, you're, you know, you're in that millennium category or you're my age group. You might be, when I've, I've coached people, you've been to Turning Point before in the past times where we had people on stage who were like in their 50s and 60s, they hadn't dated for years. And that's because their self-worth, their self-belief, they couldn't sell themselves. They didn't feel they were worthy. And so it this is why for me, it's such a passionate subject. 
So if you said to me, give me a statement that helps reframe this, you know, this resistance to rejection, what people are afraid of, think of it as this, you're changing, you, you've got to change your perception yeah. to look at this in a really healthy way. That's what I would say. You've got to look at it from a healthy perspective and think of yourself as an authentic salesperson. I think that's the simplest way to put it. If you think of yourself as an authentic salesperson, then anything you communicate, whether it's Harminder Tor talking about his online business, or it's Harminder Tor talking about his beautiful baby, or if it's Dr. O talking about a communication product, or me talking about my kids, I'm just going to be the same person. I don't need to be a different person in selling my product, talking about my family, in the sense that my core values are the same. Is this making sense? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to help people understand you don't have to make this complicated. You just have to make it real. It's it, And I think you just said that real and simple. The the real and simple is, you know, really anchoring down and, and getting to the true version of yourself through yeah. that word authentic, authentic and becoming an authentic salesperson uh, as, as described here. And on the topic of authentic, episode 40, and, you know, this has sort of just evolved as we spoke about, it's spoken in this podcast, but episode 40, uh, the episode just before this on the Cicado show is all about authenticity. And I would suggest if at this moment in time, you feel that one of your core blocks around actually selling yourself, product, service, everything we spoke about is you feel a disconnect with your true self and your authenticity as a person, please go listen to that podcast. That will that will take you leaps and bounds when it comes to this specific subject we're talking about. So we've covered that in detail. Now, what we can do here, though, I think as a suggestion is let's just define some of the key qualities of what makes, and anchoring it back to what mm, we're speaking about today, question. is what makes an authentic yeah. sales person. Just so somebody can, you know, these, oh, that's me. Oh, I know I can I, I can tag onto that. Or they can great literally question. make a Actually, list of these things this and start note, working towards uh, them. Whilst we're here, and you picked it up earlier on, but I do want to reinforce this. Do understand the difference between what we're talking about here, as Harmenda mentioned earlier on, as opposed to sales tactics and sales techniques. Now, that could actually warrant a separate podcast. If enough people are interested, we can maybe delve into that. So if you're listening to this thinking, right, are they going to sort of share some specific sales techniques? No, because that's not really the issue here. It, it does. Exactly. And, and no, you and it comes I know second. We've it comes seen third or fourth down the line. I mean, yes. We know some great coaches and mentors who in the past, where I may have asked people to, even speakers actually, to do a video or record something for us or for me uh, to either promote or encourage, et cetera, or just talk about themselves. And actually they find it quite difficult to do. Not that they're not great at what they do. It's just knowing how to communicate that in such a way that they're selling themselves. So the tactics is one thing. But what happens is when the, when some people have done videos and done recordings and I've watched it, and I think you've seen a couple of these as well, Harms, I've gone back to them and said, okay, don't do it that way. What you're trying to do is you're trying to be somebody else. Uh, there's a couple of NLP trainers out there that teach people very mechanical, as you said, very process-driven techniques. And I know people have been to those trainers, watch those trainings. And then afterwards, you can immediately spot because their style changes. Instead of being authentic now, they're kind of a clone of this other style of selling and it doesn't work. And it's not to be disrespectful to the person because we're actually not talking about the person. We're talking about the technique they're using. So I do want to make sure that before I answer your question, that people realize that 
the tactics and the techniques only work if you start off from this authentic place. I, do you want to add anything to that before I answer your question? I think that's the foundation. And I think that's a, a core message that, because we're going into this yeah. for the listeners at home, uh, if you listen to us, you're running, driving, etc., in the kitchen. This is, we're now going to the phase where we want to give you some tools and tactics as we close off this this show. And I think there's a fundamental step first, which we're discussing on this show. And we're not saying yeah. tools and tactics are a bad thing. We're saying they're oh, yeah. a fantastic thing, but used in the right way and aligned with you, when your authentic self, your true self, rather than be, act in a completely different way. And actually what you'll find if you follow that path is that it, it you don't really sell much. It deters away from your sales. You feel bad about selling. The other person doesn't really connect with you. They say, actually, no, not interested in, this, interested in this guy's product or this lady's product. Instead, they'll go to somebody else who I personally think, well, the person who is inauthentic oh, but totally. has the tools and tactics has less chance long-term making great sales versus somebody who's authentic and has no tactics and techniques, but they're just selling from their Exactly. And actually, this now really goes are. into the whole technical aspects of sales, which there could be a counter argument to what Harmind has just said there, which is, well, okay, but surely they do make some conversions. Yes. But now that person that's not authentic has to increase the volume in order to get the same number of sales. So that person might have to see 200 people to convert 20, whereas the authentic person may only need to see 50 to convert 20 because they're being authentic in their nature. So now that affects your business, how much money you put into the marketing. And everyone's going, oh my gosh, we're marketing so well. Why aren't we converting? Well, look at your salesperson. They're a robot. They're trying to be somebody they're not. So you put somebody else in there who's more authentic. Oh, wow. We're actually converting more here. Yes. And we're not having to market as much. Correct. We're not having to put as much money into marketing. Yes. So it does affect the business in so many different ways fantastic subject, by the way. And if you want, if you're sort of thinking, well, what do you mean by tactics and, and strategies? Okay. So sales tactics, such as, or strategies, whatever you want to phrase it, how do you deal with the rejection? How do you deal with objections? How do you position somebody that has a concern about the product price? How do you position somebody who's got a concern about the delivery time on your product? How do you deal with somebody that's read negative stuff about your product online? How do you deal with a couple where there's a conflict between the husband and the wife? One of them wants to buy the product, the other one doesn't. This is not about authenticity now. It is because you've got to be authentic in how you handle it. But now we're starting to talk about sales techniques. So that's a whole different subject altogether. And uh, bearing in mind the time, that is only appropriate once somebody understands what we're about to talk about, which is- So I think number one is being a great communicator, singly, above everything else. Just be a great communicator. And if you say, well, how do I do that? Um, This is where I authentically say to you, go and listen to our podcast on communication. That would definitely be number one. And can they go and take the test, Holmes, as well, maybe to find out which areas they need to work on? Yeah, yeah. Our, our listeners sh- should be aware right. of this as well. You go to cicado.com forward slash test and there's a an amazing communications test. It's like a personality test, but instead it's going to give you a result which is specific around your first area of exactly. communication to and start a, working and on. And a little Where clue on that, if it comes today. back in it, and, and one of the areas you need to work on is influence, you will know because the test will come back and give you these results, then that's likely that that relates to sales. So, you know, so there's, there's a very specific output to that that will help you in this. Uh, the other one, I think, I mean, I'm going to go through a few here, Harms, but sincerity. So on th- authenticity is about being sincere. Be sincere if you can't help a customer. 
you know what? You need to go and see Harms. That's not what I do. You need to go and see Johnny across the street or Mary. Be sincere, but equally be sincere about what it does and doesn't do your product. Be passionate. I think you cannot do anything in this business of sales and sell well if you're not passionate, authentically passionate. There's a great phrase by a gentleman called Richard Wilkins many, many years ago. Uh, I actually shared the same stage with him and I bought a few of his books, but he says, enthusiasm does to people what hot air does to balloons. I'll say that again. Enthusiasm does to people what hot air does to balloons. In other words, you're pumping that person with this beautiful enthusiasm and now they're passionate and enthusiastic about the very thing that you're enthusiastic about, which is buying the product or the product, the service that you're offering. Have a good intent, have a pure intent. Make your objective here something that is such that you are giving something of value, you're helping the other person, they're going to walk away from it, they're going to benefit from their family, is going to benefit. And at the same time, you also know that you are going to benefit because you're making a sale. Desire to help other people. I'm just putting some of the authentic ways, I think, or the characteristics of what an authentic person is. So have a desire to help other people. Know that what you're doing is going to serve them. In the same way, Harminder, if you haven't listened to it, you might have heard the, interview, heard the interview that we did with Kyle on building a business online. But during lockdown, Harms and Kyle did 40 shows, I think it was, 40 lunchtime shows. Was that right, Harms? We did 40 lunchtime shows and the exactly. purpose was very simply yeah. to help other people in this crazy time. Uh, we One of the, the cool things that we released, if you listen to that show, we linked it up on cicada.com uh, in the show notes is a list of over 200 different ways to make money from home. And all you need is a Wi-Fi connection and a laptop and a very low sort of learning capacity. And, you know, you can start making money immediately. That was what Kyle came onto the show to share. He's like, I want to join Rowan Harms on the podcast so we can get this message out because the hundreds and hundreds of listeners that we have, brilliant because they, you know, they were free shows from this. So they were giving value. They knew were helping people. They did have a workshop that was available if people want to do that. And there's, you know, things you can go and get online that they've created. But the most important thing is they were there to help people. And that is the authenticity of of their message. You've got to know that you own the value and you own that product. You've got to know what that product is and own it. Don't just sell it to somebody, but, but I here's a widget, own it in the sense that every part of it, this is what it will do for your life. This, will, this is what it's done for my life. This is going to how it's going to change you. And be comfortable. An authentic person is comfortable with making profit from providing a great service. I think that's probably one of the biggest blocks for people when they're selling. They might even be passionate. They might even be sincere and they may have a great intent about providing a service. But if in their core, they're uncomfortable with making profit from making a sale, that's not being authentic now. Because you've got to be, you've, you know, you have put the work in. So authentically say, this is the price. And if they start saying to you, well, can you give it to me a massive discount? When you discount that, prop- that, that product so much that it goes so low, you end up in a situation where you've now not valued yourself. And I've had conversations with people about that in the past. I've said, this is the price. You know, there's a huge amount of value to you. We've put a huge, huge amount of work into getting it to this stage. You're already getting a discount. Uh, you know, you've told me what it's worth to you. This is the price. And be authentic about that. Be persistent. Be Just a note on that that previous one, Ro, which is that that's sometimes people think about profit in terms of a specific product. But something worth noting here is if you are selling something, whether it's educational, informational, something based on your own expertise, you know, whether it's consulting, etc., you should price it in a way and sell it with pride because you've got 10, 20, 30, 40 years of experience 
in this specific area. And that's what people are paying for. It's just really important to remember that they can't replicate that 30, 40 years experience. So when we, when we've got Roe on the podcast, he's talking about over 30 years worth of experience on the topic of sales. So this podcast is free. So it's an incredible bonus, but if Roe ever had a sales program or what, or anything like that, then that's what you are paying for, just to give you context. Not that, not yeah, that yeah, you have yeah. well, but that's just trying to give the listeners an example that, you know, when you wonder why some things are priced a certain way, always factor in, just like a dentist factors in, they had a humongous educational cost. I say in this because we've got a big dentist fee coming up. <laughs> they, we have to understand that they spent seven, eight years and the education and their experience, that's what you're paying that, for. That's a very as good well point. As that, that, that the thing to remember for the listeners is value is what you get. Money is what you pay. So you, the cost is what you pay. Yeah? You're paying for something, but the value is what you receive. I, I had a dentist appointment yesterday. I was there for about half an hour. It was like 280 quid. Now, one could argue 280 quid for half an hour. But you know what she did, what she was able to do, talk to me about and everything else, I don't have that skill. So <laughs> I don't want to spend the next X number of years going off to learn that. And yes, I could have gone to somebody cheaper, arguably. Exactly. Yeah, and you I can do it for you cheaper, bro. I do it for fifty quid. Brush. Just come to my house. Like, <laughs> but what I like about her is she is somebody that is very straight, and she doesn't do any more than she needs to. Whereas I have been, and I've been aware of dentists that will just chuck everything in there to try and get you to pay more, but also to oh, you need to come back for this. But she, she I, I think she's a very straight dentist, and that's what I like about her. And I know I've got my value, so that's the whole point. You know, when you're out there, it's about being persistent. So authenticity includes mm, persistence and being diligent and it's being prepared as well. So as an, somebody selling yourself and selling your product and services, you've got your authenticity is about being prepared. It's, it's like somebody asked me a question about something in my product range. If I'm not prepared for it, I then I could go, I've got one of two choices. I can be sincere and say, that's a great question. I actually don't know the answer to that. Or I then go, into an inauthentic manner and I lie or I just say, oh, well, it does this and it does that and it does that. I'm, I think it does. In my brain, I'm, th I'm thinking it does this, but I don't know if it does that. Now I'm selling what? On hot air. I'm not selling truth. And that's not a good thing. So being authentic is also about being prepared as well. Mm. So, I mean, that that's my personal perspective on what are the great qualities of an authentic person. Uh, anything else you want to add to that from over the years that either you've been sold something too by somebody else harms where you felt man that they were really sincere about this they're very authentic uh, no, no no i think for myself it's it's just reminding listeners of what i said at the start which is authenticity is at the core these are great traits that rose observed in authentic people promoting encouraging people educating people on their business from a honest true place but i think fundamentally it's what we discussed in the last episode and my big takeaway is yeah. you know you've got to be you know, yourself, you as true and as real as possible. And that is, is going to tenfold, you know, make the, the process of this part of your business, depending on whatever you're selling, such an enjoyable process because, you know, you don't have to, I think one of the things that is unenjoyable about it is having to be somebody else or do something that makes you uncomfortable and fundamentally doing something that makes you uncomfortable is, is not being yourself. I have to act as somebody else to achieve this sale. Just be yourself and you will achieve the sale. I think that's the that's the core message within these elements. And I wanted to shift uh, focus as we close out the show, which is 
what's some fundamental things from your experience, Ro, that people can do about this? Because this is a big subject and we've covered, yeah, in, yeah. In, in, we've gone to lots of different areas within sales and we've applied it to lots of different people because we've got such a broad range of listeners. So what can, you know, there's some big takeaways and remember guys, there's, there's some things scattered all over this, some action points some key takeaways scattered throughout this show. I think this particular episode. you're also pointing to a good thing here, which with? is the, the, the podcast itself, I believe will have helped certain people that are sat on the fence or worried about this gone, you know what? This is a completely different way of looking at it for me. It's a reframe. So sentences, words, examples, whatever it is we've given, attach it to your own meanings, your own beliefs, and use it in the right way. Because sometimes it's not even about an action list. As you said, it's actually just the little nuggets that come out of it. And, and more than anything, I was hoping out of today that people would have a, a different understanding of what it is to sell and to not see it in a way that they should feel resistance to, but actually something that they could embrace in a positive way. Uh, and I believe we've done that. Um, that said, we always like to finish with some form of action list. <laughs> Nine times out of 10 anyway. So it's a big subject, mm-hmm. as you said. So let me let me go through seven different things. And I won't spend a lot of time on them. But I think if we, we can point some of these back to podcasts, actually. So the first one has to be your self-worth. And that means really get to understand who you are and what your beliefs are. And to do that, I'm going to suggest, now we have done a podcast on this, but I think there was a great interview with Siobhan Birmingham, which addressed this subject. And I think that's worth pointing them back to. Would you agree, Harms? Yeah, I think I think two places for this topic of self-worth. One is Siobhan's podcast, which is a previous episode. You can you just look for her name, search that podcast, and that will appear. But also those who are Cicado show supporters and supporters of the show, you depending on what tier you're in, and if you go onto the website cicado.com, you'll be able to see that different tiers have different video resources that Rose created over the years that you will have access to as a thank you for becoming a supporter. One of those yes. is, you know, who are you? Understand That's a who powerful, are you. Powerful. You just you talk about That's a this six part concept of getting series. closer towards powerful. self-worth. So why why am I saying this? Because if you don't have a sense of your own worth, you're going to really struggle to sell the worth of anything that you are selling. That comes to number two, which is know your value. So, you know, what is it you're bringing to the table as a human being? So when I say your self-worth, that's who you are as a person. So your beliefs, uh, your vision, your purpose, knowing your value is about, if you said to me, give me a simple exercise row to do, okay, take 15 minutes to write down 10 of the most amazing things that you bring to the world. What do you bring to the world? How do you make the world a better place? How do you make other people? How do you help other people become better as they are? It could be the smallest things that you've done in the past. It could be the big things that you do. It doesn't matter. But 10 things that you do that makes the world a better place. Does that make sense, Han? I'm just going to double check because I'm, I'm, I know I know in my mind what I'm trying to say. And if I was coaching, I could look that at make, somebody's that face makes sense. and get a sense of if they understand it. Yeah. And then... That makes sense. And if you want to, if, if I, I want to put some importance on the listener to do it is, you know, the why this particular step is critical is it's a difference exactly. between why somebody can charge £10,000 for their service versus somebody who has to charge 100 quid for the same service. There's a fundamental difference between that's very how true. somebody so number else three, then, understands is your product, their value. The product so that's your critical. service. So what is the value 
of your product and service. You've got to know it. So you might say, well, I, I, yeah, I kind of know my product. What well, kind of know is not enough. Know explicitly what it is you offer. Really create a demarcation, put a boundary around what you're offering so that whatever you're taking to the world, it stands out clearly from everything else that's out there. If you're in a world where there's a lot of other services that are similar, be clear on what it is and know what value it brings to your customers. That's different to what your value is and what your self-worth is. We're now talking about your product. Notice I didn't do it the other way around. I didn't talk about product first, talked about you first. So that's number three. I'll pause to see if anything Harms wants to add to that. No, I'm happy with that. I mean, that yes. dives into business fundamentals as well. So we won't uh, deep dive into that in this subject. I would say if you want to deep dive understanding product value and the concept of business, yeah, very good. Daniel Priestley joined us as a special guest on one of the shows. Yep. So that's, that's another podcast. Business podcast that that we Number can, four then is capture why what you have to sell is great for your customers. Now, let me say that sentence again so you understand it. Why is your product great for other people? So start to describe it. Don't just say it in your head, but I mean, take two or three pages. If you have to type it up, speak it and have it transcribed, whatever. But why is this product great for people? Just in your own words and think about what your head is. So this is where some communication with impact comes in because you will have an internal dialogue that's telling you why it's brilliant. You've spent two years developing it, three years, five years, whatever it is, or maybe it's nothing you've developed, but you've researched these products and you want to take them out to the field. Why are they amazing? We had Rob and Mel on not so long ago on one of our early podcasts. We've got them back coming soon. Now, Mel is great at guiding us on certain things that she recommends that we take from a nutritional perspective. And so when she describes it, or when Felix describes it, who you're going to hear on one of our future podcasts, it's done with such precision and passion that you kind of go, oh gosh, I want to buy that product. You've got to take your words and put them onto paper and start to capture why people should buy your product. This is not specific detail right now. It's more of a, a general, amazing type description. Does that make sense, Harms? It's, 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 a, it's a passion project, this one, number four. That makes sense. And another way that I found useful this particular step is if if you are, if you've, if it's, we're talking to product creators here is if you created a certain product, yeah. why did you create it for yourself in the first place? Yeah, true. You know, often a lot of people create things to solve their own problem. So, you know, if you're struggling to talk about the customer first, answer your own questions and then go into the world of the customer. And that will be a number nice four. bridge. So number so, yeah, five that, then, that's a, that's and this a is a little really bit more specific to well. this sales process, and we do talk about this in CWI, is understand your products from a benefits and features perspective. So this is now about what the feature is, the dimensions, the weight, you know, what it does. And then the benefits are how it helps the customer. So this is different to number four. Number four is the bigger picture. Now we're drilling down into it weighs this much. All right. So it weighs this much. So what? Oh, it weighs this much. And because it's so light, you can carry it in your pocket, which means you don't have holes in your pocket. You don't have that nagging feeling of, oh, God, I can feel the weight of this. And the customer goes, yeah, that's right. So now you're explaining the benefit to them. And there's a whole conversation around that. And we have a lot of fun when we do our live events on this harms, don't we, with benefits and features. And I, I put some funky things up for the audience to have to describe to somebody else. Yeah, for, for those uh, listening and who are joining us on you know, Future Communicating with Impact, programs and trainings uh, let's keep this one as a, as a special surprise to them because they we do they really enter this we have a lot of fun with this particular oh section gosh. but also it completely shifts in their mind how to sell their product to the point where people went from not exactly. being able to sell product and, and the way the style that i use Hamid is talking about there is we choose something that you just wouldn't moment. normally be 
used to doing. And we do that. And then we move you into your own product and service. And the aha moment just was waking up for so many people. So that's number five. Uh, number six is um, practice on a small scale, authentically and with passion, explaining four and five. So start talking to people. It doesn't have to be a big, hard sell, anything like that. It doesn't have to be some big promotional, I'm going to do this on the screen. I'm going to do this in front of a whole bunch of people. I'm going to do it online. It could just be a one-to-one -one conversation with somebody, trialing it, even with friends and family if you want to, but whatever it is. Now, of course, if we're talking about you on a personal level, it's the same thing. If it's talking about you going for a job interview, it's the same thing. You're still going to just capture on paper what's amazing about you and then what are your benefits and features. And then obviously start to describe it and practice it. That's the key thing. Not having it in your head is not enough. You've got to articulate it out now. And then finally, number seven is start to practice communicating with impact and learn to do this. And I think one of the first places, as we said, talked about is take the test. Uh, you might want to go, I mean, just a couple of signposts, harms, if anybody hasn't been through this yet with us, is go take the test. You could also go and watch uh, approximately about an hour's worth of free online presentation, which takes people through the, in, the communicating with impact process. And there's even an online program and there's even a live event that people can come to. So I think start at the basics, but learn to communicate with impact because if you've got the passion and you've got the enthusiasm and you know your features and the benefits and you love this product and service that you've got to offer, even if it's you as the person, as the product and service, now let's refine the skill of articulating that to people in such a way they go, wow, everything's st started to fall into place. That's the final missing link. It's how you now articulate it. Fantastic. And on just to add to the final point there, which is, you know, many listeners, when they think about sales, we've described this already is tools, tactics, techniques, and you know, what do I say? How do I say it? I would say communicating with impact sits even more fundamentally, even at ground level when it comes to sales tactics and techniques. Once the people who have come through communicating with impact, you know, I sort of followed them for a couple of years because they're in, in our sort of social circles or you get to know friends uh, from the event and you become friends with some of the interactive exercises. One of the things, you know, you observe is, oh my goodness, this person went from never being able to sell to selling like I've never seen before. And, and I'm just so proud of these people out there because, uh, and they also inspire me to, to get better and revisit my sort of techniques around communicating with impact because a lot of people confuse uh, techniques with phrases mm. you know they confuse it with say this do that when actually once you know how to communicate uh, in various different ways anchoring around what you've talked about in your system which you, you know you developed over 30 years it becomes a different true kind of experience so you don't have no, to you I don't agree. have to do it the aggressive way that's sometimes taught and i think I don't like that myself. That's personal opinion. Some people do like that style, but my personal opinion is there's got to be a and more I, authentic you know, way to do it. And I think making a big song and dance that. about it. If I look back, I feel privileged because I've literally worked with young young people who have been electricians that have gone on to go into the, the field of sales and literally generate millions of pounds worth of sales. People that come from parents that you know, were parents and then wanting to get into a business and expand that business. And same thing, they've they've generated literally hundreds of thousands of pounds on a single product or a service that they previously wouldn't have believed they could do. I've taught people that come out of the city who are directors of companies there that really weren't in the business of sales, 
directly that have gone on to become speakers and generated millions of pounds worth of sales. So there's so many different backgrounds you can come to this from. You don't have to be cut from a certain cloth to get there. And as you said, Hans, it's an amazing skill to develop. It doesn't have to be at that level, but if you've got something sincerely great for the world, then come on, let's go sell it. Let's help people out. I mean, that's ultimately the goal, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I don't think I could finish the podcast in a better way. Let's let's do let's get your product, your amazing product out there into the world, get it into people's hands so you can solve their problem. There's so many people out there with a the fundamental problem that they, they want, you know, that they need help solving it. And your product service experience will be able to do that. So let's get on, process what we've spoken about in this episode, which has been vast, it's been wide. Take some of the action points that we've scattered through, take some of the learnings and certainly focus on what I'll put on the show notes is this final, you know, seven step process, which allows you to go on and almost smash through these blocks that you have with this word sales, you know, smash through those so that you can start, just like Rose said, get on and start selling your product, service and experience. So you can find those on the show notes at cicardo.com. Outside that, that's myself and Rose signing off. We shall see you on the nice. next episode. Hello, it's Dr. Rowe here. Harms and I would like to both personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Cicado Show. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal, on a professional level to help your life and maybe other people's lives, then please complete an important action for us which takes less than just two minutes. Please become a supporter of the podcast by going to cicado.com and as a thank you, you'll get access to exclusive supporter perks. And don't forget to simply subscribe to the show, share this product with loved ones, and we would love if you would take a moment to give us a review and let us know just how amazing this episode was. Thanks again for listening. This is Dr. Owen Harms signing out We'll see you on the next episode.